I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're about to listen to an edition of Stories of Our Times. Just a quick warning. This episode does contain some strong language. When Hardy took a trip to England, she planned only to stay for a couple of weeks. But it turned out she was visiting the wrong people. The woman you met sold you to me, and I've paid a lot of money for you, and now you're going to show me that you're worth it. Instead of the Tower of London, a ticket to Les Mis and a flight back home, Hardy ended up spending five years in Bedford in a family home, but not as an honoured guest. Things were very horrible. Sometimes I don't going to eat. They threatened me like I was the slave. You're listening to Stories of Our Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, Hardy's story, slavery in modern Britain. decided to ask Hardy to cook for me because when I first met her, I could see that the moment that she really lit up was when she was speaking about her passion for cooking. I love cooking. I started cooking again for people. I started being happy. It's a passion Hardy learned from watching her grandfather. I'm just sitting there, I'm looking at him. The way he's cooked, it's just amazing me. It's so joy. She's 32 now, so she's only a little bit older than myself. She was very calm and articulate and sweet and patient. She cooked me three Gambian dishes. The first was some Gambian mackerel parcels, which were almost like fried dumplings that were incredibly delicious. And the main event was a Gambian peanut stew called Dumada. And she told me that when she was a child, she used to go to the peanut farm with her mother and they would get some peanuts and spend a lot of time removing the skin and roasting them before they could be made in the stew. And she says that in the UK, it's much easier. She just uses a jar of peanut butter. We're going to wash the rice too. Remove all the water and leave it aside. This was all washed down with a spicy hibiscus juice called bisap, which was infused with ginger, lemon, mint, and was really delicious, hot and cold. And as she cooked... Was it obviously something that really meant something to her? Oh, absolutely. She seemed much calmer. She was a real professional. The kitchen remained perfectly clean the entire time we were cooking. She had her hand resting on her back and was smiling the whole way through, humming some 
old songs and telling me stories from some of her more positive memories. And she said to me that when she's cooking, she really remembers all the positive things that have happened to her and it helps her to escape really from her more negative memories. But what was bittersweet, I guess, about cooking with her was that the whole time I was thinking in my mind watching her that her talent for cooking was clearly one of the reasons why she was trafficked to be a domestic slave. Hadi was born in the Gambia, in a place called Jataba. I'm speaking to Venetia Mingis. She's a journalist and photographer. She's telling me about Hadi. A rural village near the lower river region of the Gambia, not too far from the Senegalese border. Oh, my childhood in Gambia. The beginnings was amazing. The Gambia is a country on the West African coast, a narrow strip slivering inland from the sea along the Gambia River, surrounded on all landward sides by Senegal. She grew up with her mother and father. She has a few sisters, lived very close to her grandfather. I was just happy with me and my sister. We just happy and playing, running around. She didn't have the best relationship with her parents, specifically with her father. Things started going badly for Hadi when she was nine years old, which is the age that most girls in her village were taken to the jungle, as she explains it to me. A lot of girls, like nine, eight, seven. My older sister go when she was nine, and me too. My dad used to choose nine years old. I don't know why. 20 girls, some from nearby villages, they were all blindfolded tied together with a rope and led away. We even don't know where we're going to go. Completely on their own without their parents. And throughout the time there, one by one, the girls would be taken into a different hut and some elder women would perform female genital mutilation on the girls. After that, the healing going to take wise, like sometime one month, one month and a half, just you and them to pursue the healing and Hadi told me that going to the jungle, it was not just about FGM. They say they need to teach you too the respect, how to talk to adults, how to act in the society. Really how to be a perfect subservient wife. And unfortunately, Hadi told me that she saw four of those 20 girls be buried in front of her eyes in the jungle because they did not survive the procedure. Female genital mutilation can lead to a variety of complications, infection, fatal bleeding, gangrene, hepatitis. And, you know, as you age, it causes problems with menstruation and childbirth. And when she came back from the jungle, she didn't speak about it. She got on with her life. But things got a lot worse when her younger sister, who was actually seven at the time, was taken to the jungle. I was lucky. My big sister was lucky, but my little sister was not. She never came back. My mom was crying every night and praying. I was telling my mom, oh, things will be fine. Don't worry. We all come back. She will come back. I never know. She's never going to come back. She was buried somewhere near the jungle without a headstone, 
We never know, definitely, because we even didn't see the cop to say goodbye, nothing. It's most likely it was through infection or from fatal blood loss. And she told me that the infection usually occurs because girls, they feel very uncomfortable after the procedure and they want to scratch themselves. If you eat yourself, you're going to have infection. And to try and stop them from scratching themselves and causing infection, the men would take the girls outside of the hut and tie them to a tree. You know, open your legs, put your two hands behind you, and sit there for five, six days. To stop them from touching themselves. The death of her younger sister changed Hardy's relationship with her parents forever. So badly I want to know what happened to my sister. For me, I blame myself. She was telling me she don't want to go. She was constantly asking her parents why, why it has to happen, why are girls being forced to go through this, and she never got a satisfactory answer. She was just told it's tradition, it's the way it is. Her father told her that she didn't survive because she wasn't pure enough. Her grandfather saw what was going on. My hero. I usually call him my hero, you know. He come to pick me up. One night... He came into her room and he, in the middle of the night and he said, Hadi, let's go for a walk. And he had a few bags packed and she was a bit suspicious, but she went with him and they ended up crossing the border into Senegal. And he had a little small house set up and they lived there for a few years and he enrolled her in school and he really s- saved her from that situation. And she asked him, why did I have to leave? He told me, if you stay here, your dad going to kill you. Just let's go. Let's go. He could see her determination, her talent. He could see that she wasn't going to sit back and accept what was going on and that her only chance of survival was to escape the family. Living with her grandfather in Senegal were Hardy's happiest years. This is when she really got a chance to learn to cook from him, develop this passion for cooking, and really bonded with him. When Hardy was 18, her grandfather invested everything he'd saved to pay for her to go to a culinary school in Tunisia. And she absolutely relished it. She completed the course with flying colours. Get my first level, I get my second level, I start working, I work in the hotel. I love, I love cooking. With a job as a chef in a popular hotel in Tunisia, Hardy had economic independence, friends and a future. She had a life. I was fighting for myself. Then, by chance, Hardy met a woman named Ms Gay. So one day in the hotel, she noticed there was a British Gambian woman who was struggling to communicate. She spoke her Gambian dialect and they connected on this and they struck up a friendship. And every time Miss Gay would come to Tunisia, they would meet up, they would eat meals together, and they really came to trust each other. And Hadi thought, this woman is a friend. She understands where I've come from. Perhaps she even went through the same thing that I went through. And I think Hadi admired her. She thought, you know, maybe I could be a businesswoman one day. I could be like her. One day, Ms. Gay invited Hardy to take a holiday and visit her in the UK. Ms. Gay said to Hardy, just come for two weeks. You can have a nice holiday. You've been working so hard. You can meet my family, see a bit more of the world, and then you can come back and continue your life in Tunisia. I just want to forget everything happened to me. 
I say, okay, why not? I can go to visit England. And Miss Gay organized everything for her. She sponsored her tourist visa. She paid for her planes. And there Hadi was, really excited. She'd taken her annual leave from her job. She'd bid goodbye to her friends for two weeks. She spoke no English. She knew nothing really about Britain. She was just hoping to have a nice holiday after a long time of just working very hard. But when she got to Heathrow, things, things got off wrong from the outset. On arrival, Ms Gay was nowhere to be seen. Instead, another British Gambian woman, a stranger, was there holding a sign with Hardy's name on it. And the woman said, oh, look, look, Miss Gay, she called me. She asked me to come and pick you up from the airport. She's really busy. She, she can't pick you up right now. And Hardy said, no, 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 I need to speak to her. I, I don't trust you. So Hardy insisted that they telephone Ms Gay. We speak. She told me, so it's my friend. You can go with her. She spoke no English. She had no money. And she'd come all that way. So she went with this woman, whose name was Suzanne. So she arrives at her house in Bedford, a rather sleepy suburb near London. And she's asking for Miss Gay when she's going to come, when she's going to see her. And she keeps telling her soon, soon, she's going to drop by soon. And a whole day goes by. On the second day, Hardy's suspicions had not gone away. And she says to her, I want to see Miss Gay now. And Suzanne took her into the living room, a moment that Hardy remembers with a lot of clarity. She said, look, Hardy, it's probably about time that we tell you what's going on. You are not going back to Tunisia. The woman you met sold you to me, and I've paid a lot of money for you, and now you're going to show me that you're worth it. I said, no, I don't want to come here. I just come for holiday. I have my work. I have my friend. I need to go back. But by then, Suzanne had stolen Hardy's passport, her return ticket, her phone, everything she had. Hardy thought, the only person I know in this country to call who I could ask for help is the woman who betrayed me. So she was trapped. Things was very terrible. Sometimes I don't gonna eat. I want post to wake up, to cook, to iron, to do everything. And I'm last to go to bed. They threatened me like I was the slave. Hardy slept in a cupboard under the stairs where she was locked in when she wasn't working. I was feeling very stupid. I just feel devastated. I say, I have a good life. I manage to raise up. I managed to do something with my life. Now look at me. I was scared. She ended up trapped in that house for five years. Five years? Yes. Five years. And she never got out? About once or twice a month, she would be able to leave the house under the very close supervision of Suzanne, and they would go to the supermarkets to do their monthly shop, walking past all the sleepy residents of Bedford, completely unaware of what was going on. So much so that we possibly could see somebody like that ourselves and not realise. Exactly, exactly. You know, we, from our position, might think, why didn't she call out for help? Why didn't she run away? Why didn't she do this, that and the other? But they had convinced Hadi that the police 
were not to be trusted, that they were just like they were in the Gambia. If you, if you tried to report anything, they would beat you, they would rape you. And by this point, Hardy, who had overstayed her tourist visa, was in the country illegally. She didn't have any idea of what her rights were. She didn't speak the language and she was very afraid. Did Suzanne have a family? So Suzanne was a single mother and she had two children. There was a young boy who was eight years old at the time that Hadi arrived in the house and an older girl who was about 11 or 12 when she arrived. The boy was an absolute angel. As she put it, he had more humanity in his tiny body than the whole family put together. The little boy who used to want to help me to speak, to teach me, I realized I need to speak the language. And even he used to tell me, if I grow up, I will skip with you. Even from this young age of eight years, he could see what his mother was doing was not right. When Hadi was hungry, when they wouldn't feed her, he would come and sneak her some food. Chicken and chips, sometimes cookies, asking me, do you eat? I won't let you eat. If I say no, I say, come, come, here, eat quick. I was a very good boy. He even took his pocket money and go and buy her sanitary pads when she was on her period. I think he was feeling for me very, very badly. He sometimes is saying, how my mom can do that? Ultimately, a turning point for him was when he spoke to one of his teachers. And his teacher told him, police are not here to hurt you. The police are here to help. And he rushed home. And he told Hadi, you know, mummy was lying. That the police are here to help people. And you know what, Hadi? I think you need help. That's what he said to her. From that day, he began to plot how she could escape. He even said to her, maybe we can escape together one day. He started to teach Hardy the words she would need to use at the police station. He said to her, look, if you panic and you forget everything I've told you and you don't remember any words in English, tell them that you speak French because somebody in the police station will be fluent in French and they'll be able to help you. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Search thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The day of Hardy's escape began like all the others. She did the cleaning in the house like she normally does. She cleaned up his room, the mother's room, the kitchen, and she came back to clean up her area where she was sleeping. And she found a letter from him. In that envelope was a hand-drawn map of how she could walk out from the house and get to the police station. And inside of it was a house key. For the moment, I just cried. I said, oh my God, we did it, this boy. He's very clever. She said she cried and she cried and she took the high ski and she ran out of that house and she followed the map until she reached the police station. Suzanne clearly noticed that Hadi was gone and left the house immediately. By the time they had found the house, they were already gone. When you're applying for asylum at the home office, you need evidence. I'm never gonna forget. Because of that map, the police believe me the home office, believe me. It's very hard for people in that situation to have any evidence of what's happened to them. And if they don't have any evidence, they, they risk being re-traumatized by the authorities by having to re-explain and try and fight to prove that what has happened to them is true. And Hadi says that none of that happened to her and that the police and the home office believed her all because of that map that the child had drawn. That is absolutely amazing. Has she ever been in touch with him since? No, unfortunately, to this day, which is almost five years on, the family have never been caught and they have never been prosecuted. And that young boy is now 16. I don't know if he's still living with his mother or if he's on his own, but he's somewhere out there. It's the last day I saw him and the boy saved my life second time. Save my life. Save my life. Do you still think about him a lot? Yeah. Always pray for him. I always wish one day I can meet him again. You know, I'm going to be a very grown up man. <laughs> he was just 11 to go to 12. <laughs> Little boy. Think about what his mom is doing. It's not right. Giving me food. <laughs> Anything I can do, you just pray for him. To God guide him with his very small and kind heart to be someone <laughs> in the future. I just hope so he never change his life. Always remain the same. Because he's a very good boy. Presumably, Venetia, this got you interested in the problem of slavery in the United Kingdom. Well, as you can imagine, data is, you know, inherently very difficult to record on this. But the Office of National Statistics have tried to estimate the amount of people who are victims of modern slavery in the UK today. And they've identified last year that there were 10,000 people who were victims, which is a 51 percent increase from the year before. 
Despite this, during that same period, only 205 cases of modern slavery were actually referred to the Crown Prosecution Service. So we can see that although we can maybe identify people at risk, gathering the evidence to prosecute somebody is a whole other ballgame. And how big a problem is it globally? There's more slaves alive today than there have ever been in human history. There are 40 million people who are victims of slavery around the world. That's from data from the Global Slavery Index, which was updated in 2016. So out of those 40 million people who are victims of slavery, what I find interesting is that 71% of them are female and 29% of them are male. The majority of them are working in forced labor and others are forced into domestic servitude or the sex industry. Whether it's globally or in the UK, slavery is within our supply chains. And this is a really large problem. And the top five goods that are imported to the G20 that are likely to have slavery in their supply chains are things that we all use as consumers. Laptops, phones, electronic goods, garments, you know, chocolate, sugar, things that we all buy. And I think that if we took the PR budget that companies spend on trying to make their companies look great and ethical, if we took that money and invested it into trying to make those supply chains transparent, maybe we could cut out some of what's going on. Venetia, did Hardy ever try and get in touch with her grandfather again? Yes, she managed to get in touch with her grandfather after she escaped and told him of her ordeal. And obviously he was very disappointed after all his efforts that so many of her years had been wasted. But he decided to confide in her something that he believed she needed to know just before he passed away. Because Hadi had spent the past 20 years since she was 12 years old, hating her mother for failing to protect her and failing to protect her sister. But what she found out when she spoke to her grandfather for that last time was that actually it was her mother who had devised her escape. I found out she's the one who called my grandpa, arranged everything, steal my birth certificate, give it to my grandpa, sell his land, make me leave the country because he say I'm very stubborn. It was her mother who had packed their bags that night that she left the Gambia and crossed the border into Senegal. So after thinking for 20 years that her mother had done nothing, she found out that actually it was thanks to her mother that she'd managed to escape. That's amazing. I know my mom never have a power to stand up why she cannot do nothing. I understand all the night she was waking up, praying and crying to wish his child come back because she don't have any power on it. What are Hardy's plans for the future? She's a qualified chef. She is working in a Lebanese restaurant. And it's mm. her dream one day to run her own restaurant and to share her favorite recipes and her passion for cooking with all of us. And she was put in touch with a small charity called Beam that crowdfunded for her to be able to pursue her culinary studies here in the UK. And maybe see my mom again to ask forgiveness, to ask to forgive me. I asked Hadi how she could remain so tenacious in not letting 
somebody steal her passion from her after being forced to cook for somebody else for almost five years, how she could still do it with a smile. And she laughed and apologies in advance for my profanity. She said that her grandfather told her, when you're angry and you're unhappy, you're gonna cook shit. If you're angry, you're gonna cook just shit, huh? <laughs> and when you're happy, you'll cook delicious food. Be happy. Life is too short. <laughs> and she said her enslaver only ate shit for five years and never got to try her truly delicious meals because she wasn't happy for one day she was in that house. I love cooking. I started cooking again for people. I started being happy now. If I'm cooking, I'm happy. I'm peaceful. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guest, journalist and photographer of The Times, Venetia Mingis. You can read more of Venetia's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Leona Hamid. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Also, in these uncertain times, you can access analysis, opinion and advice from the experts every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe today to find out more. See you again soon. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times.